But just imagine the freedom if you never had to hide anything from anybody. What a beautiful world that would be. Welcome to Monday Mornings with Michelle, the new business podcast. Whether you're kicking off your day or kickstarting your business, Michelle is going to kick your ass into next week with the essential fours. Strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. Now, welcome to center stage, Michelle Nedelec. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I have my most amazing guest, Anne Gordon. And goes Casey. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you, Michelle. I'm super thrilled to come and play with you as always. Always. So give everybody the 5,000 foot view of who you are and what you love to do. Well, who I am, Ann Gordon. I live in California. And what I love to do is hang out on the ocean, anywhere, everywhere. And my most favorite thing is to swim with wild dolphins and whales. I was and, almost going to change my verbiage to yeah. and give us, you know, the, the, the tail wave of who you are. <laughs> right, right, right. The 5,000 foot under the sea view of it. <laughs> and I actually have turned what I love to do into my business in that I lead whale and dolphin wisdom retreats. I've been doing that since 2007, 15 years. And I also have become a retreat success coach. I love to share what I have learned about how to lead, create, and fill profitable, powerful retreats with others so they can lead their own retreats. I love it. I love your stories that you have behind how you do what you do. So I'm like, oh my God, that was brilliant. Oh my God, that was brave. Oh my God. (laughs) In perpetuity. So how did you get into, in particular, retreats with whale and dolphin themes and wisdom well wait here comes a story (laughs) you know me you're not going to have a conversation without a few stories in there so i used to train animals for movies and television for over 20 years and as i was doing that i got hired on a film that was shooting in panama and like most people i'm like panama it's got a canal and a jungle what else does it have right And so we went down and the film I was on hired a local tribe of Indians, indigenous people as the actors on the film. And so I got to hang out with them and they still live in traditional villages deep in the rainforest. So I got to go visit their villages and I just fell in love with who they are as a people. They're just warm and open and, and just welcoming to everyone. Basically the quality of life the rest of us are searching for. And as fate would have it, I married one of them. So as I then shifted my whole life to move to Panama to be with him, his beautiful family, I thought, this is great, but how do I make a living? There's no real film industry down in Panama. So the tribe survived on tourism. They were proud to share their culture and history with people who came to visit. And so I started working as a tour guide and sharing my story and my connection and my new family with visitors. And I grew up in the Pacific Northwest on the water, boating with my family, watching orca whales. And I thought, okay, this, I love this country. And there are two oceans 
80 kilometers or 50 miles apart. <laughs> There's got to be dolphins and whales here. What species are there and how do I get out to see them? It actually took two years to fig find out that Panama is one of the only places in the world where there are humpback whales that come from both the Northern and Southern hemispheres to breed and give birth. So I thought, well, who's doing whale watching? Nobody. So I literally pioneered the whale watching industry in Panama, which was not easy because nobody knew we had whales. In fact, I tell the locals and they go, we have whales? Aren't they dangerous fish? <laughs> it's like, we have whales and they're not dangerous and they're not fish. <laughs> so, Apparently it's a, had a little bit of education going a in marketing. A little bit, right? <laughs> oh, oh gosh, but as I started that and it became more and more popular, I, pardon the pun, wanted to dive deeper into connection with both the dolphins and whales, spend more time out there and with my clients and really get into the spiritual aspect and wisdom we could learn from them. So that's when my whale and dolphin wisdom retreats were born, was out of, basically, I'm gonna be really transparent here, I just wanted a way to spend more time out on the water with the dolphins and whales and get paid for it. So I didn't have to hire a boat out of my own money. And from my very first retreat, I, I saw these powerful like aha moments and realizations and transformations in my clients just from spending a week on the water with the whales. Nice. So then I was hooked. I'm like, yes, this is amazing. I need to do more of this. And here I am. Nice. I love it. I was watching a Jane Goodall special or mm. documentary. And she said when she first started going out to watch the gorillas, it, um, she was observing them and what they did and how they did. And, right. you know, wow, this is awesome and fun. And, and went yeah. back to the academia and they're like you're doing it all wrong you're not you're not supposed to study them like that. you're supposed to you know watch how they do things in a human way and she's like no, no. <laughs> watch how they do it so that we know how they do it and we can go wow look at how they do it that's pretty right. awesome and I immediately thought of you and I'm going oh my god that's exactly what Anne does with the whale this is awesome yes. and your whole philosophy on the whale and dolphin wisdom I think was um, bred from that unbelievable one heart that you have and two willingness to observe what's going on for them in their right. surroundings, the way they do it and not attaching our silly no. human beliefs onto them, which I think is super cool. So talk to us about your whole whale and dolphin wisdom and what it is, how it works, all that fun stuff. Take sure. You're right. I'm totally an observer just like Jane Goodall, who I was privileged to meet once. That was amazing. Nice. And it, what, what I learned was that I, what my brain does is as I observe the behaviors of the dolphins and whales, I find metaphors that can translate to how we live. So for example, one of my favorite ones is Dolphins have, you've heard, they have this sonar, this echolocation where that they can literally, they have x-ray vision. Not only can they see when it's nighttime or when there's very murky waters, they can see with their echolocation. And sonar was that the Navy uses 
was patterned after the dolphins, not the other way around. And that not only can they see in low light conditions, but they can see literally inside the body of a fish to see if it's got a broken bone or it's injured or, or weak, but they can see inside each other's bodies to see if somebody's sick or there's a tumor or there's a pregnancy and they can see inside the human body. Now, what I've also observed is not only can they see the physical state of your body, they can see the emotional state. Now, and if you think about it, when we're upset, when we're sad, when we're angry, when we're relaxed, we hold our body differently. And that's what they're reading. So imagine that in the world of dolphins, there is no such thing as a secret or lie which is so powerful and really scary for us humans because we all have secrets, right? We feel like, oh, well, if even our, our, our partners in life, if they knew this about us, they wouldn't love us, right? But just imagine the freedom if you never had to hide anything from anybody. What a beautiful world that would be. Right. I think horror movies could be made on what would happen if humans could hear and think. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, TMI, TMI. Yes. <laughs> yes. Down, we need some adjustment for that. <laughs> I, I think that is so cool because I mean, I I guess I knew that before, but I didn't know that. You didn't I, think the whole thing through. That's all you have like, to do. Of course right? they can see through the skin. Like, what the hell is yeah. skin? Like, it's just a different right. thickness of something, something. It's, exactly. Just because it's impermeable to our sight doesn't mean it's yes. not impermeable to sound. Right. Exactly. That's super cool. We could have a whole tangent on that. So bring us but- back into the, <laughs> the world of... Like, who do you work with and serve and support? Is it mostly people that are coaching? Is it corporate retreats? Is it, what do you work Mm -hmm. with? Most of my clients in the retreat success coaching, and I do want to let people know that when I coach somebody to lead a retreat, it is not a whale or dolphin wisdom retreat. That's my particular flavor of retreats. But what I have learned in how to create successful retreats applies to any kind of retreats. But most of my clients are life or business coaches, healers, transformational leaders, people like that, that most of them have a somewhat spiritual bent, but that's not required. And I have a few that work with, uh, you know, in the corporate world, but not as many. That's not, I have zero experience there. So I don't know how to talk. I don't know how to speak corporate. But I mean, I just had a, an email today from someone who wanted to know about how he could, he's a teacher and how to lead retreats for his students and take them around the world. I thought, amazing. I love that. I'm happy to support you. Nice. Well, and I can see it like completely in my mind's eye of how you could take a corporate retreat and take a leadership um, basis on this for you to one personally take them on a whale and dolphin retreat because obviously the whale and dolphin wisdom is um it's completely parallel in the corporate world and and how that translates so that is easy to me and i can totally see how somebody in corporate would want to have a transformational retreat unlike hey let's go to the mountains and figure out what our business plan is which is same shit different day different environment Mm -hmm. 
but to actually create some sort of transformation whereby your teams are actually communicating on a different level. They're actually getting along better. They're actually, you know, motivated to create something bigger and better than all of them in the direction of the vision that the CEO has, which really in essence is the whole reason anybody has retreats, is it not? It, it totally is. It's all about building connection, building community. And the thing I love about retreats is that you don't have to have a ton of content prepared as the leader. In fact, you don't, you should never show a PowerPoint in a retreat. You know, we see those all the time everywhere else, but on a retreat, it's about the experiences. So what I teach is that you pick your goal for your retreat. What, what is it that the big benefit that your people are going to take away? Maybe say it's abundance mastery or grief recovery or re- couples intimacy, whatever it is. And then everything you choose from there, com- down to the location, the venue, the activities align perfectly with that goal. And that way it makes it really easy. And so the experiences and even the location will deliver the transformation without you having to do a lot of heavy dialoguing and conversations. And what I like to say is that a well-designed retreat will lead people to powerful breakthroughs without ever having to have a breakdown. Nice. Yes. Breakdowns are nearly as much fun as breakthroughs. <laughs> exactly. I mean, sometimes we need to get to the breakdown to get through to the breakthrough, but there's no need to have, you know, this heavy, big session to get through it. It's just like, oh my gosh, we had this amazing experience and I get it now. Nice. I love that. And, it's, and it really is kind of to put it in terms that most people are familiar with. It's having those aha moments versus, oh my God, I hate my life. I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it can be really subtle. Like you were saying, you know, whale watching for, for corporate. I have, I've long said that whales represent abundance, mm-hmm. you know? So for, if you're any, any wealth mastery type retreat, if you take them out whale watching, they may not understand how it aligns at the beginning, but on the boat, you can talk about how whales literally are the largest animals on earth eating the smallest and you never see a skinny whale. (laughs) And that science has actually recently proven that when there are more whales in the ocean eating fish, there are more fish for the whales to eat, not less. So just the presence of whales, they literally create their own abundance. Nice. So you could just go on and on with abundance, mastery, financial wealth teachings from there. Beautiful. I love that. So talk to me about the the context of retreats versus uh, workshops versus like, does it have to be out in the mountains? Does it have to be out in the ocean? Does it have to be all that kind of fun stuff? Sure. Yeah. I see the word retreat used pretty loosely in the coaching industry. Some people call a retreat sitting in a conference room for three days. That's not what I consider a retreat (laughs) or, you know, a three-day event where it's the whole thing is to lead you to, you know, buy into a year-long mastermind. That's not a retreat either. To me, a retreat is a live 
experience with a destination, you go someplace else, doesn't have to be to Bali or someplace really far remote, or it can. It can be to a mountain lodge an hour outside of town. And it doesn't have to be out in nature. There's some retreats that you could do in New York City, depending on who your audience is. It's all about your audience and the goal of your retreat. So, you know, if you're doing an Italian cooking retreat, obviously you're going to go to Italy. It's kind of a no-brainer. But if you're doing a women's empowerment retreat, maybe doing it in New York City where they get pampered by a high-end, you know, makeup artist and, you know, wardrobe advisor and, and, you know, colorist, all of those things. So they start feeling better about who they are. That's the perfect environment. You're not going to find all of that in, on a tropical island somewhere, right? So it's all about aligning it and having more experiences than you actually have content. Nice. Is it possible to do a virtual retreat well? It is. But, and again, a virtual retreat is something that kind of came up out of the pandemic. And, <laughs> and I led my first one in April of 2020. But what I did when I created my first virtual retreat was, how can I translate the experiences of a live retreat into the virtual format? So again, it's not me teaching the entire time. Mm -hmm. I include community building activities. You can bring in dance and meditation and prayer and chanting, and you could do cooking demonstrations. You could do art projects. There's all kinds of ways you can do this. And you can even bring in play. I do a really fun improv game on one of my virtual retreats to talk, I teach people how to lead virtual retreats in a virtual retreat. So they experience it and learn and learn how at the same time. And we do this super fun game where everybody, I draw a piece of paper that has a couple words on it and they get one minute to act out what it says. And it's all about how to be in retreat leadership. So maybe you are a narcissist Maybe you are shy and fearful. Maybe you are insecure and ill-prepared and you get one minute to act it out. And it is hysterical. <laughs> and it also helps you start paying attention and becoming conscious to how you actually are in leadership because we all have those tendencies to be a little shy, a little nervous or narcissistic at times, right? So oh, absolutely. Right? So- that, so when you do a virtual retreat, it's not just, again, PowerPoints the whole time. It's bringing in as many other experiences and activities as you can that, again, align with the goal. Nice. I love that. So even though some people might be doing, you know, sage grass and, and charms, you could, in theory, be doing a little bit of ACDC and a little bit of <laughs> some just, to, you know, whatever your flavor is and whatever the intention exactly. of the program is. Nice. And if there's like ways, like if you're doing smells and scents like that, mm -hmm. if you're doing essential oil virtual retreat, then when people sign up, mail them a package of essential oils that they don't get to open until the retreat. So, yeah, those are fun. We love yeah. our little gift boxes exactly. and, and being able to, and then cool part of, to me about the, 
I'm, I'm going to call them gift boxes just because I like calling them gift boxes because I like getting <laughs> presents and <Yes, laughs> any excuses a present. Yep. Um, the thing I like about those is that you're having a similar experience with other people in different places. And even if it's just as simple as, you know, getting your little sign going, hey, come on, sign. Right. Uh, that's, it has a sense of camaraderie about it, even though it's yes. silly and simple and, and all exactly. that kind of fun stuff. So whatever that thing, even if it's a workbook, Right. right. You still have that sense of, okay, we're in this together and, mm-hmm. and let's go. I like that. Nice. Yep. Can you give us an example of one of your Cinderella stories? Absolutely. But before we do that, I want to yeah. say, I did one where I participated in one where that we did origami <laughs> and we, and fun. we, and it was hysterical and some of us really got it and some of us really didn't get it. And the retreat leader did not get it at all. And she brought it. And it, so it was fun to watch everybody go through this together yep. it was very bonding yes yeah, so- oh on that note before we get into it we can bypass yeah. your Cinderella. well not bypass no, we'll postpone yeah. we'll postpone the cinderella story yeah because in a workshop i used to do we would do i'd give everybody out i'd put everybody in tables round tables and then give out these um the yellow envelopes melanin yep. or whatever they were um manila envelopes and uh, it was a secret so they got together they picked out the leader of the group the leader on took this out, handed out blank sheets of paper to everybody, and then they got the instructions for how to make an origami crane. And wow. if you've ever done an origami crane, it was like, okay, this is easy. If you've never done an origami crane, the, <laughs> the instructions are useless. Right. <laughs> They're written right. by a bunch of white people that are trying to figure out what a bunch of Japanese people have been doing this for 50 years. Or Japanese people, and it's translated to English not Listen, very well. And you're like, what? <laughs> not trying to be racist it's just funny it's all good yes. the um and it was my purpose for the exercise was how do you show up in a leadership position when you don't know what you're doing right and there was no other rules to the game it's that you have 20 minutes to to make you know six cranes or however many so everybody has yep. to make a crane at your table and you have 20 minutes to do it let's see what happens. And mm-hmm. so it was hilarious to watch these guys. Some of them would freak out because they didn't know the answer and they're thinking <laughs> right. they're going to get shit and their boss is watching them. And Oh my God, how do you behave when you don't know what you're doing? Right. And it was hilarious. And I'm like, one guy's running around going, Hey, have you ever done this? 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 Mm. You know, come over to our table. Can you show us how to do this? <laughs> it's like, yes, <laughs> that's the entrepreneur in my group. Right. <laughs> right. Them a mile away. <laughs> and it was just an opportunity to be able to see how we do what we do and yes. how resourceful are you? There was no rule saying you couldn't go from table to table. There's no rule saying you couldn't stand mm-hmm. up and go, Hey, has anybody ever done this before? <laughs> uh, can you show us how that'd be right. awesome. Right. But you know, they all took kind of whatever their uh, way of dealing with management was. And then all of a sudden when they see, hey, there really are no rules in this. And right. what, how are you doing that at work? And I was exactly. like, oh, I got it. And it was hysterical <laughs> that by the end I of bet. the hour, all yep. of the, <laughs> the, the competitive ones we're like, okay, yes. got to get this damn thing done. Before <laughs> I bet they were. <laughs> Man, we're gammy cranes everywhere. It's gorgeous. Oh, that's fun. That's super fun. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. So carry on. <laughs> yes. So from that silliness to, I love to tell this story. I had a woman come on one of my retreats who I had never met. She actually was a friend of someone who'd come the year before, referred to me. She knew nothing much about me other than her friend said, you got to go. 
and she came and she had a good time. She was a little quiet, a little reserved on the retreat, didn't share much until the final afternoon sharing circle last day. She shared with us all that seven years prior, her husband and the family dog had been killed in a car accident where the car burst into flames and they could not get out. Now, if that isn't bad enough, she was driving the car, two cars behind them on the road. So she saw the whole thing. Oh, brutal. I can't even imagine the horror of that. Right. So what she shared with us was on this retreat for the first time in seven years, she felt happy again. That is the power of retreats. Nice. Yeah. And now she comes on at least one, sometimes two retreats of mine a year. And now she's a new friend. Oh, that is awesome. That is heartbreaking on on one end of the scale. Absolutely. Um, Rejuvenating on the other. It's like, yahoo, this is awesome. Right. And, and I love that this thing called a retreat has the potential to be able to yep. create that much uh, that opportunity kind of and space yes. and impact. Yeah. Because yeah. you wouldn't have got that at a workshop. You wouldn't have got that nope. at a meeting. You wouldn't have got that yep. at a you know planning session. Right. And there was no breakdown. You know, she didn't have to go relive the whole horrible event. She didn't have to rehash it and figure out what she felt about it. We just played with whales all week. Right. And, and then she shared that. I mean, such, that's why I love retreats so much is the powerful impact, the life changing impact you can have by just sharing magical experiences together. Nice. That is awesome. So what are the stumbling blocks that somebody might be having right now? And they're thinking, oh my God, Anne, I need you so badly right now. <laughs> yeah. Part, there's two things that I see a lot of people struggle with. One is just the overwhelm. It's like, how the heck? There's so many moving parts. There's the location and the venue and the experiences and the meals and the transport, you know, and all of that stuff. That's one. And so I have a complete retreat success system that breaks it down. We start with your vision and goal, and then we start creating. So everything's aligned. And then we move through it one piece at a time. And then the other thing that scares a lot of people is the fear of not being able to fill it. (laughs) How much do I have to pay for this? And what if nobody shows and I'm having a really good time with my whales going, (laughs) okay, exactly. You're full of abundance. Fill (laughs) me. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So when you, here's a mistake that most people make is not giving themselves enough time to fill the retreat. And so what you want to do is I teach, you should give yourself nine to 12 months to fill a retreat. Well, and if you think about it, and that's a week long retreat, if you think about it, depending on who your audience is, people need time to plan. And if they're working a regular job, sometimes they need to schedule their vacation a year in advance. Mm -hmm. 
and or schedule family care or pet care or elder care, whatever they they have to organize in their life. And maybe they need time to plan for the money and, and earn the money and save the money for the retreat and you know all the expenses. Because a retreat is not a $97 offer, you know, it's a more expensive offer. And so you really have to give yourself time so that people can easily say yes. And you will get people saying yes right away. And you may get people saying yes the week before, but that's unlikely. Mm-hmm. I know there's actually someone that you and I know that I won't name right now, but she is a very well-known, very successful multi-million dollar coach who's holding a mastermind retreat in Europe next month. And she only started inviting people two months ago. Whoa. And, and she is now struggling to fill it because she huh. didn't give herself enough time. Because when I, as soon as I saw that, I thought, oh, uh, well, hopefully she's you know, influential enough. She can do it. And now I just saw an email go through going, well, we're opening it up to anybody now. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. okay. Yeah. You know, when you go backwards on those, it's <laughs> It's not a good no. sign. Um, no. Although some people might be able to get in real cheap now. <laughs> right. right. Them. But, and it's funny because even in corporate routines, a lot of business owners I have seen or C-level executives mm-hmm. think that, okay, we're going to go on this retreat in, in three months. And it's like, okay, but dude, you got to remember their family is going to be totally jealous yes. that they're getting to go on this. So they need to organize their holiday so that there's yes. no jealousy factor in there. They have to have people that are competent and capable of replacing them for a week while they're gone. They have like, and there's certain tasks and projects they're working on. They got to make sure that if the deadline falls on that day, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that they either move it up so it's done before they leave or move it back. So there's no stress, you know, that they don't have half their brain is focused on this other problem at work when they're trying to think about whales and dolphins and or ACDC, (laughs) whatever you got going on, (laughs) (laughs) whatever the theme and activities are exactly. You want them full. That's the thing about a retreat. You want them fully mm-hmm. present on some of our retreats. We're completely off the grid. We don't even have cell signal or internet, which is so much fun for people to see. How do you completely. live? <laughs> I know. I know in this day and age, how do you do that? You just evaporate when there's no cellular energy. <laughs> holding you together. don't. <laughs> that is awesome. So I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How do they start their journey with you? All right. Well, I have a free gift for everybody, which is a create your dream retreat planning guide. And you can just get that at createdreamretreats.com. And I'm sure in the show notes, so you'll have the link as well. And this is the place to start in the create phase. And it will take you through finding your vision and then all the details you need to think about to start planning your retreat. I love it. Even my cat's going, wow, it's <laughs> awesome. We'll do a cat retreat. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> awesome. So, Anne, I have to ask you, at what point in life did you know that you were special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? You know what? Here's the thing. This is a good story. I never wanted to be an entrepreneur. That was never, I'm not, you know, you talk to so many entrepreneurs and they're like, as a kid, I had a lemonade stand and I always (laughs) wanted to have my own business, not me. But here's the thing. Almost everything I wanted to do, nobody else was doing. So when I, starting back when 
I started training animals to go out to uh, schools and do educational outreach programs to teach a respect for wildlife. I lived in the Seattle area. Nobody was doing it. So mm -hmm. I couldn't work for anybody. So I had to start that. Then I switched to training animals for film in the Pacific Northwest. Nobody was doing it. So I had to start my own. When I started down in Panama doing tours, I worked as a freelance tour guide for a while and I wasn't getting enough work. And I thought, but nobody is specializing in these tribal village visits. So I started doing it. And you already know about the whale watching tours and the retreats, nobody was doing it. So I had to start it myself. So that's kind of how I became an entrepreneur, the kind of the back end way, doing what I, it's all about, for me, it's about following my heart and doing what I love. Nice. And the, and the only way to do that was as an entrepreneur. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I think if more people <laughs> recognize that, we have a lot yes. more entrepreneurs on the planet doing what they love to do and what they see a need for, which yes. I absolutely love and adore. And would you happen to know offhand, what was the funniest mistake you made as an entrepreneur? Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's probably this a tough one. one. Nobody asks that question. <laughs> oh my gosh. What came, popped into my mind is when I was training animals, this is ridiculously embarrassing. I was uh, training dogs. I was the head trainer. I got hired to train the dogs for the Airbud, some of the Airbud movies. Yep. Uh, this one was, it was Air Buddies, mm -hmm. first one with the puppies. And at one point they wanted us to come into the sound studio and get puppy noises. So it's like, okay, so me and several of my trainers went in there and we had all these puppies on the floor in the sound booth. And, you know, we have to be really quiet while trying to get the puppies to make the noises they want. They wanted barks and yips and whines and, you know, all the things, right? Yeah. And when you're dealing with puppies, where are you? You're not standing up. You're not in a chair. You're on the floor. You know, you're running around, hands and knees, crawling around. And at one point it was totally silent. And I was bending over to get a puppy. Let out the biggest fart possible. <laughs> <laughs> sound room hey did you pick that up <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my god i was but my, my other trainers oh, all cracked up laughing and i was beat red i'm getting red thinking about it now and Aww. the sound engineers were behind the you know in their little room they're like oh god <laughs> they're laughing but of course i guarantee you they used it somewhere i was gonna say did it make it in the movie because i'm pretty <laughs> sure everybody on the planets blamed their dog for <laughs> I'm sure they used it somewhere, <laughs> sold it to somebody because the room was silent when it happened. And it was like, oh, crap. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, man. <laughs> well, so far you win the award for best story. <laughs> that's awesome. That's the most embarrassing, <laughs> funny moment ever. <laughs> oh, you know, and uh, to me, that's just kind of entrepreneurial hood is you just go, did I do that? <laughs> Yeah, yeah that like, would be. <laughs> what are you gonna do oh, yeah. it's like the whole world there heard it and the poor guys who heard it in their earphones right their headphones. <laughs> well you know Sorry. at least you weren't doing some team exercise where you had somebody's face in your butt but hey yeah no <laughs> could have been worse <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how much more <laughs> 
Oh my God. You are awesome, man. I love talking to you. Every time we get together, I laugh so hard. My cheeks hurt. I like that. Uh, so thank you again so much for your time. I appreciate it. You're Any welcome. last words for our peeps? I just, you know, if I'm just going to not even think about retreats right here, I'm just going to say, follow your heart. If you're feeling called to do something, if you're having the idea, it can be done. I mean, as you've heard my story, you know, going everywhere from marrying a man in the jungles of Panama and moving my career down there to shifting gears to starting a pioneering a whale watching industry in a country who never even thought about whale watching. But you know what? I have zero regrets. A lot of adventures. It wasn't always easy. There was a lot of hardship, but so worth it. So just follow your heart and live your passion. Beautiful. Awesome. Thanks, Em. <laughs> You're welcome. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedlek. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show. And if you're looking to scale and automate your business, reach out to me at michelle at awarenessstrategies.com or connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to our show. I'm all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support that they need to make it in business. As such, the notes for this show can be found at our website at awarenessstrategies.com slash blog. Be sure to subscribe, give us a rating, I like five stars personally, and share with your friends.